We only got one life, so it's time to live it for. I don't hesitate, I embrace every day. Cause we only got one life, so it's time to live it for. It's not about trying to achieve more or gain, but rather how to lose and let go. Let me explain. Once you let go of all things that aren't significant, you'll be left with everything that is truly important. I'm living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. This is another episode of the podcast. Live it full. Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Live It Full podcast. I'm Richard. I am your host in the studio today. Um, I'm going to revisit something Caitlin and I actually did a show on about a year ago and wanted to just revisit that. It's something that we haven't done before. We haven't necessarily gone back through and and redone the same show. And it's not going to be exactly the same, but it's going to be really similar. It's going to have some of the uh, same things we talked about um, about a year ago uh, when we sat down. We talked about the 21 rules of money, um, 21 irrefutable laws of money. I wanted to go back through them because a lot has changed in the world. We have seen a lot of things ebb and flow, market swing, and those kind of things. And as always, I'm not giving investment advice and past performance is not indicative of future results. So with that being said, I'm I'm not giving advice on what to do investment wise, but I want to give you some general rules that we try to live by and maybe go into them a little more detail, a little less detailed. Um, It was one of our more popular podcasts that we'd ever done. So I wanted to share it with y'all again in a little bit different format. Um, But if you like what you're hearing, if this is your first time listening, go Leave us a five-star review on Apple. You can do it on Spotify now. Share us with your friends and family. Help us share the message of Live It Full. But Caitlin and I talk a lot about faith, family, finance, fitness, and, and finance, business, money. Those, that's our third priority. And I have some people say that, wow, you have priority in that. Yeah, because you, you have to be intentional with it if you want to create generational wealth. It's not something that just happens. And I truly believe that anybody in America can achieve generational wealth. Sometimes the deck's stacked against you a little more than others and you got to work harder, but everyone can. We all have our different skill sets. We all have our different abilities and we have to learn how to maximize those. But without further ado, I want to go through the 21 rules of money again and talk a little bit about what we do, what's worked for us, what doesn't work. Have we changed anything in the last year? Um, and kind of go through that. I don't have Caitlin with me today, so it's going to be just me. Um, but number one, we, we talk about a 70-20-10 rule pretty frequently. And what that is, it's live on 70% of your income, invest 20% and give away 10. I think that is one of the golden rules of what you should do. Um, whether you think the that the 10% is tithing or charity or a combination of both, whether it's your church or nonprofits, we truly believe that the more you give, the more you get. But the living on the 70% part's hard because I have some people say it's hard to hard to do that. Well, you have to manage your expenses or make more money. Those are the two options, but you have to invest 20%. And I would tell you, invest the 20% first before you start to live off the other 70. You have to pay yourself first in that. Number two, if you can't buy something with cash, don't buy it with credit other than cars or real estate. And uh, and I'm, I'm not a huge, I've had this conversation before. I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey fan from the point of view. I'm sure I would like the guy and I agree with a lot of what he says, but I also don't believe in giving blanket financial advice to people because I think it's very personal. That being said, I think it's okay to finance vehicles. I think it's okay to finance real estate. I think it's okay to leverage that debt to 
do better. Your cars are a tool. You have to look at it that way. Get you from A to B in a manner that helps provide you income. If you're going to work, it gets your kids to school. It helps you get to education places or things like that. So, I mean, I think you have to look at it as a tool. Now, there probably are some rules we should go into about how much should you spend on a car, um, but that may be for another podcast. I definitely think you should leverage real estate. Banks are basically silent partners with you if it's income producing. I wouldn't stress over that. Have six months of living expenses in cash, but no more than that. And I think that that's one I really wanted to touch a little bit on um, just because the environment that we're in has changed since last year. We're seeing um, more inflation, obviously, and it's not... I mean, originally the Fed called it transitory, which more or less, for those of you that aren't in that in that realm, that it wasn't here to stay. It was in certain... It was not necessarily monetary supply-driven. It was driven by supply chain issues. So you basically can have inflation and I'm sure there were people who messaged me and tell me, oh, you're wrong. But basically the way I look at it is you can have inflation from two different things. You put more money into circulation and it all hits. It has velocity, meaning it hits the market at the same time or people are afraid. So they dump cash and you can have inflation from that because the more dollars they print, the less it's worth. Now that's part of a fiat currency. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. You want some inflation because that's how you have growth in a current economy that's based off of debt. All money is in, in the U.S. is debt. When they create it, they create bonds that back it up. It's all debt. So you should use money the same way. Um, but having six months of living expenses, I would tell you that that is a big deal um, from two different things. You want six months because if you have an emergency, you have an air conditioner go out, you have a major car repair, you have the money to do it. Somebody loses a job, you have a bad sales slump, business declines, you run into things that are out of your control like governmental interference from you know pandemic hysteria then you, you're, you're going to be okay. But the caveat on that is I have some people say, well, there's no way I could save six months. I, you can. I mean, you can get there. Um, maybe not saving, but you got to make it and put it up. Because I've always said it's easier to make an extra $10,000 in a year than to save $10,000 in a year by cutting or by if you're not already doing it. But have six months of living expenses in cash, but no more than that. The reason we don't want more than that is because we're talking about inflation. So back to that, you you either have monetary supply in surplus that causes inflation, there's more of it, or you have supply chain issues, like a, a true supply and demand thing that can raise prices. There's not enough of a commodity, there's not enough of a product, or we can't get it to market because of X, Y, and Z. The, the shipping routes are compromised, um, or we don't have room at the ports, those kind of things. So you can have inflation that way. But last year when we probably did this, uh, the Fed was, was talking about transitory inflation and not um, overall inflation. And that gets really complicated, but basically cash sitting in a bank is going to be worth less in a year than it is today, unless your interest rate is over the inflation rate, which does not happen. Um, right now on a savings account, you may earn half a percent inflation on a conservative note. And I don't think this number's right, but it's the one they're putting out there is seven or eight percent. I think it could be more in a lot of markets. If you look at what oil and gas have done in the last year you're you know it's more like 200 percent inflation right went for two dollars gallon to almost five in some situations um you don't want a ton of cash sitting there you want it moving you want it invested you want it tight i mean you want it in things that are generating or at least hedging inflation and so have six months in cash but don't have more than that don't waste money is number number four i think that's pretty self-explanatory but 
go through your credit card statements, go through your bank statements and figure out, do you have automatic payments coming out for things that you don't use? Maybe it's an old gym membership you're not using. Maybe it's a, you know, streaming service or cable or something. If there's things you're not using, don't waste money. And I think one of the biggest things we do is we don't realize how much we waste on simple things like coffee, going to Starbucks, stopping at a convenience store and paying exorbitant amounts for small things that we don't have to do. Quit wasting money. Number five, don't spend money based on emotion. And Caitlin would attest to it. I am the one who will spend money when I am upset about something. I will go buy something, whether a firearm or a truck or a a lot of things based on how I feel. And I've learned that I have to take a step back and think about it. And if I still want it, you know, wait a couple of days. If I still want it, then that's one thing, but not to rely on emotion. So one of the things that you can do with that is put forcing factors in place that keep prevent your ability from doing that. So Caitlin and I have a personal rule. We don't either of us, neither of us spend over a thousand dollars on one purchase without talking to each other. And so that's our number. You may come up with a number that's lower. It, ours at, at one point in time was more like 300, but now we feel like those are conversations we have to have if it's above that partly because I will spend emotionally. Number six, when investing your money, do your diligence and then do it again. There are a lot of people out there that will tell you they can get you rich quick. Do your diligence. Most of the time, it sounds too good to be true. It is. In real estate, you're going to do a lot of diligence. You're going to do a lot of running numbers on things that don't work out. And again, and again, to find the one that does. But when investing your money, do your diligence. Number seven, we're talking about generational wealth. Talking about taking care of your children's children's children. When investing your money, I want you, or with your money at all, think four generations in the future before you spend it, before you invest it. Will it benefit my children's children and their children? I think that's a different mindset than trying to live for today. When we make decisions about real estate, I often talk on the podcast and and on social media about building our empires. I don't want to necessarily hand my children empires that enable them to become, I'll say weak, become less strong than we've had to be. Because you see those generational cycles. um, We talk about it. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. How do we avoid those generational cycles? I haven't figured it all out yet because it's hard. Second and third generation businesses either surpass what their parents and grandparents ever did or they fail. There's really not much in between. They don't ever stay the same from what I've seen. But think about generational wealth when you're making decisions. Don't think about yourself at that point. What does this do for my family's future? Number eight, never carry a credit card balance unless it's 0%. That's a pretty simple one. Credit cards are expensive debt to have. So number nine, never have all of your money in one account. And it's not to say that there's anything bad with that, but what I would tell you is to read profit first if you're in business, if you're trying to learn how to save. He basically takes... I almost call it the Dave Ramsey system of envelopes, but with bank accounts. Basically, like I've got this is my profit account. I can't touch it. I put it at a bank that I don't have access to easily. I don't have checks. I don't have online banking. I physically have to walk into the bank to take money out. 
this account is for payroll. This account is for marketing. This account is for um, taxes. And so money goes in there automatically and you have certain forcing factors and blocking factors in place to where you either can get to it or you can't. You know what expenses are coming out. So if you're not keeping up with it super closely, you know that if payroll has been paid, the money that's left in there is left. Right. So look at that. Um, I think it's wise to to be that way with never have your money all your money in one account. But I think Profit First by Michael McWallowitz is a really good book to talk about and for you to look into further. Never number ten is never have all your money in one investment unless it's your first deal. It's definitely possible. I think diversification is one of the most important things that you can do because not all markets are going to decline. Um, whether it's commodities, real estate, the actual equities or or securities markets. You need to be diversified amongst all of them to protect yourself in case something happens to one of them that we can't see or foretell. Never, number 11, never spend more than you can truly afford. Seems like a simple one, very hard for people. Here's the caveat you have to know what you can afford. So if you don't know your numbers, you will never know if you, if you can afford, truly afford something. Number 12, it's always a joke, but don't spend money to solely impress others. The Joneses are broke. You just don't know it. And to any of our friends that are Joneses, I don't mean y'all specifically, but don't spend money to impress other people. Spend money, invest money to better your family, to better your situation. Number 13, make sure the reward always outweighs the risk. With that being said, Scared money doesn't make money. You've got to be willing to take risk, but you have to also understand the risk associated with it and is the reward greater. I think real estate is one of the least risky things out there, and some people tell you it's the most, but I understand what the rewards are versus the risk. Number 14, and I think this is a big one because people don't understand. I think it's a mindset thing, and maybe digital banking, cryptocurrencies, maybe these things have changed our mindset of having actual physical currency in our hand, credit cards, for example. But treat your money as if you worked hard for it, even if you didn't. And I think of examples with like our kids. They will spend our money willy-nilly, but if they earned money or money was given to them even, they, they clutch onto that with some veracity. They don't want to spend... They don't want to spend their own money. Treat your money as if you worked hard for it. Treat it like it's, it's, it's fairly precious there. You don't want to have a scarcity mindset. You want to have an abundant mindset, but treat it as if you worked hard for it. Number 15, and I think this is a big one, never work for the same dollar twice. And I've had people ask me, what does that mean? What it means is if I made a dollar from one business, I don't necessarily want to put it into something else and I'm going to have to work for that same to get that same dollar back. So if I make money in one business, yes, I may go buy something like real estate with it or invest it into another thing, but I want whatever that dollar going into is much more passive. I don't want to have to physically sell something again or do something again to get that same dollar back. Number 16, Manage and adapt your month, your budget monthly. Do you have a budget? Have you ever sat down and looked at one? That's most people's biggest issue is they just don't know the numbers. They don't know their budget. They don't know what's coming in and what's going out. And they stick. They get the ostrich 
kind of syndrome and they stick their head in the sand and they ignore the bills that come in, pay the monthly minimums, manage and adopt your budget monthly. Number 17, I just hit on it. Know your numbers. This is probably one of people's biggest issues. Even business owners I sit down and consult with and talk to, they don't always know their numbers. And it's not just money numbers, it's activity bit driven numbers, it's sales numbers, it's calls, it's depending what industry you're in, it's it's how many qualified prospects have you have you talked to? Have you have you gotten into your CRM? Know your numbers. Number 18, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Trust me. I've seen some some really good looking things turned out to be pretty fraudulent at the end. You know, I mean, I think people, you, people get greedy and they think, oh, it's, this is fine. Like the whole Bernie Madoff thing a few years back, running a Ponzi scheme. And you had to know, like as a customer of his, you had to know something wasn't right. But greed took over for many of them. 19, inform yourself of how taxes work and pay accordingly. Get a good CPA. CPAs don't cost you money. They actually save you money. And you got to quit looking at it as an expense and as an investment. Find you somebody who knows the system. Make sure you know the system. Make sure you understand how it works. And put the best resources you can to work on your tax strategy. Number 20, never rely on just one source of income. The average millionaire has seven. I've heard people dispute this and say, well, most of them made their money doing their main thing. So until you have a main thing that's that's generating enough income, you're not worried about it, focus on that. But be getting ready to create more. The reason is, say your main business struggles and you have other sources of income, you can keep the doors open. Personally, you have other income coming in. So I want you to look at what streams of income do I have? Where can it come from? What can I do? How much work does it take? How much effort do I have to put in? Is it passive versus more active? What systems can I put in place? But don't rely on one source of income because what happens when that one source of income fails or dwindles or goes down? You become reactive and instead of proactive and you have to deal with it. Then you go on defense instead of offense. Never rely on just one source of income. And I'll get pushed back on that one because I'm going to have people say, well, I only have one source of income. I don't have anything else. What am I going to do? And I know people who are business owners that hustle on the side. I know people who are, who are employed that have side businesses that they, they make it happen. You can. It's just if you want to. Number 21, spend your time earning money until you can spend your money earning time. That's the goal. That is the goal is to where I have enough money I can buy time. Then... That's when, I, that's when I think you've made it. That's when I think you've mastered these 21 rules. When you spend time now earning money so that soon you can use your money to get your time back. And most people never get there. Most people never think that that's a possibility. That's 21 Rules of Money. I hope you liked this podcast. Um, leave us a five-star review. Share us with your friends. Instagram, TikTok, find us. We're all over the place. Uh, liveitfull.com. Go buy some swag. Go buy some shirts. We love you and we thank you for listening. Listen to this entire episode. 
That means you gained some type of value. So make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Living Full. Living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. Make sure you embrace every single day. And we'll see you next time on the Living Full Podcast. 